Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we have a gut health special coming your way. So as you guys know, Joanne is the gut health expert. And in my opinion, gut health is especially trending this year. I personally think it's a hot topic. So we want to give you guys all the information you need to know about gut health. So mm -hmm. you ready, Joanne? You ready to I am ready. let I go of, <laughs> of all the information you know? So I definitely want to start out with, you know, gut health. You know, a lot of people have been hearing about it on TV. They've been seeing about it on social media. But mm -hmm. what exactly is it and why should we care? like our gut, gut health in general, like mm -hmm. gut health for me and a lot of my colleagues is the gateway to health. If your gut is not functioning properly, it can wreak havoc, 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 I can never say that word right, to everything else. And it can start out slow where it starts off with just uncomfortability in your stomach, in your digestive tract, where you're getting bloating all the time. And then if that's not addressed, it can progress to other things where you are having leaky gut and then mm. that leaky gut is leading to other symptoms like joint pain and then you're having migraines all the time. It differs from person to person, but it all starts in the gut. And if your gut is not what it needs to be for you, because mm -hmm. your, your gut is like a fingerprint, mm -hmm. it's specific to you. So if for you, it's not where it needs to be, you can end up places that you don't want to be in the long run. Hmm. That's, that's quite interesting. Cause I remember during the whole entire pandemic, it seemed as if, I don't even know if I should be saying this online like that, but anyway, <laughs> like, like with my mom, she just started getting sick a lot during that time. Mm -hmm. And she would always complain of her gut health. I mean, one point it was so bad that she passed out and save a lot. And I was just yeah, like, what? That. And she was just laid up in bed for like two weeks until her gut could recover. So during that time, you know, I was telling my dad, you know, make sure she's staying hydrated, make sure that she, you were giving her cottage cheese and yogurt, because that's the only two foods that she could tolerate. And I even remember telling you about it too. So definitely, I don't know how it is for others, but I know with myself and my mom, like when your gut isn't right, like it impacts the whole entire body. Like you were just out. It absolutely does. And again, I don't feel like this is something that they taught us in school or stressed in mm. school. And I didn't really figure it out until I got sick and was like, oh, shoot, this mm. is really, really, really important for me to make sure that my gut health is on right and is working. Everything is working as it should. And if it's not, what, what am I going to do to help maintain it or support it, supplement it, assist mm. it because it's had some damage. My damage was done from H. pylori. And mm. since then I've had to deal with maintaining, supporting, supplementing where it needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. My mom recently got diagnosed with H. pylori. Did she? You know what? I'm telling you, <laughs> ain't no study out there about this, but I feel like a lot of us Caribbeans or even people from other countries, because a lot of my patients or clients, I should say, mm -hmm. with H. pylori are not American born. Hmm. or they have been traveling a lot like they've traveled well in life mm -hmm. you know I feel like there's an association here there is you know really? there, but there is 
So when you say like, for instance, like not American born, um, because for those that don't know, I'm Jamaican. My mom was born in Jamaica. Joanne is Haitian, Haitian American. So like, what do you think the connection is with being not American born? I think, I don't know. I think, and when I say, and the patients that I have that are Caucasian are American. They're not like um, European American. Well, they okay. are but they're not European. Right, right, right. The people yeah. who I have who are immigrants are usually black from the okay. diaspora. So these people are the people who are, you know, diagnosed with H. pylori and their history or background is coming from another country. Um, and so, I've, I'm like, there's a pattern here where either, I don't know, is it because of it being developing, a developing country they're coming from? Um, you know, there's studies out there that has talked about how, you know, it can stay dormant. So for me, I came here at six, it could have been mm -hmm. something I contracted when I was in Haiti for six years of my life and it stayed dormant and then something triggered it to come out and then it came out, you know interesting years interesting. later yeah yeah that is definitely something to look further into because I mean I didn't even necessarily consider that she just told me that she went to a new doctor I recommended that she switch primary care providers and go to a Haitian couple they're both physicians they're married okay. and he was like ma'am you got H. pylori you know he did his work up and I was like look at that that explains a lot it does. Well, we got to talk about this offline more because I'm very passionate. I'm like, not everyone does what needs to be done with the H. pylori, how they test it. Um, they may test it incorrectly mm. um, after they've treated you and it could come back still positive, even though the treatment has been done. Um, but it's the wrong test that they're used to retest. Sometimes that yeah. happens. And then no one really tells you what to do after the treatment. Yes, we've killed the H. pylori with harsh, harsh antibiotics. Yeah. We've done that. But then what do we do now? Because the gut is now damaged. The H. pylori right. damaged it. And then now these harsh antibiotics damaged it. So what are we doing to replenish and repair those damages? Because if that's not done, then we're setting that person up for, up for failure. Or we're setting them for failure, for more symptoms and conditions mm. to appear because we didn't address it at the time that we should have addressed Ooh, it. We should do a whole H. pylori episode for real. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking about, you know, like setting up for success, correct me if I'm wrong. So when I think of H. pylori, when I think of gut health, my mind automatically goes to foods. Uh -huh. And for some reason, my mind goes to fermented foods. Again, mm -hmm. fermented foods being a hot topic in 2023. So is there a connection between the benefits of eating fermented foods and gut health? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, well proven. And it's it's still studies are still being done because although we know a lot, we don't know everything. And mm -hmm. I always believe like we're behind the times here in the United States and the studies that were being done because people out in India, people out in, you know, Asia, other parts of Asia, mm -hmm. Asia, they, you know, they've been doing this stuff for eons. So they know yeah. that what fermented foods are and how beneficial they are. I mean, it's 
fermented okay let's let's talk about what fermented foods are right. first of all so yeah. it could be a food or a drink as we have seen very mm-hmm. popular now in the markets and they've gone through some sort of microbial growth so mm-hmm. um, that growth process it's usually an anaerobic process where oxygen is not being provided to the bacteria so that the microorganism can grow and so we are able to that microorganism helps us to break down the foods like sugar and glucose into acids and alcohols. Yeah. So um, there's different types of bacteria or probiotics in the different types of fermented foods. So not all fermented foods have the same okay, bacteria okay. across the board. And I can't even tell you off the top of my head, like this provides this because there's so many, but don't think like, okay, if I have kombucha or if I have yeah. kimchi, I'm getting the same. Right. Right. Probiotics or microorganisms because they're different. Oh my goodness. I'm so mm-hmm. happy you said that because I know I'm, I'm the type of person I like kimchi, but I don't like sauerkraut. So I will eat kimchi all day. I don't even think I, I like kimchi either. Oh, it's so good. I just, I love it. But I'm like, you know, I'm that type of person that tends to stick to, you know, particular foods that my palate likes, but you know, mm-hmm. the fact that you're saying, you know, diversify, get a variety right it's like man oh you gotta diversify you know that's the thing we we talk about that nutrition all the time diversify variety is key oh my gosh I gotta probably start adding some sauerkraut to the mix but okay that's neither here or there so if you were to give me like your top three I know you said that there's there's tons of different foods and beverages that contain um, the fermentation, you know, uh-huh. the beneficial microbes for gut health. Mm-hmm. But if if you would give me your top three personally, what would they be and why? Okay, so did I go over some of the ones that are like on mar- market that are fermented foods? Let's, let's start with that. that. Yeah, let's start so with that. yogurts, tempeh, mm-hmm. miso, kimchi, sauerkraut, which I think I have a substitute for you for the sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. Um, wine is fermented beer uh-huh. is fermented and cider like apple cider vinegar that's fermented as well but I want you guys to keep in mind that if that fermented food has been pasteurized mm-hmm. it's most likely doesn't have like the good stuff anymore because pasteurization is killing off bacteria yeah. right so I mean it's kind of like a interesting I say it's a risk it's a something you got to weigh to decide which one you want to do because um when something is not pasteurized and it's raw you're taking the risks of consuming something that may have been contaminated and that bacteria can cause you harm and that's a rare occurrence in fermented yeah. food that's a very rare occurrence i want you guys to keep that in mind but if you're going straight for the pasteurized stuff keep in mind that it's most likely not doing what it should be doing because that bacteria is gotcha. killed um but for me mm-hmm. I, I like you I mean my nose my mouth they're all <laughs> part of my my taste yeah and many foods you know can have a weird smell to it and you know so not all of it is my is my favorite but I, I can do yogurt and yogurt is mainly for maintenance or um maintenance it's not it's not for like if you have something going on mm-hmm. yogurt is not going to be what's replenishing right good bacteria so keep that in mind when it comes to the yogurt 
Um, cider is another favorite of mine. So I like, you know, using apple cider vinegar and a lot of the things that I do. But my all-time favorite is Haitian pecans. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's kind of like a sauerkraut because of the cabbage. Right. How do you make it? Um, you know, I have some reels from way back, like a few years ago, probably early on in the pandemic. But it's pretty much cabbage, uh -huh. um, carrots. I put bell peppers in there. I put onions, garlic, um, a little salt. And then you use vinegar in there. And then you ferment it. So, of course, the longer it sits out fermenting, the more good bacteria that are um, forming. Sometimes, you know, people are in a hurry and we'll make it and we'll use it the next day. So, of course, there's not that much fermentation that has taken place in that time span. The flavors are still there, though. But mm -hmm. that the fermentation has it. Oh, and we put habanero peppers in there. Oh, yeah. You got to put the peppers in there and eat it with some fried flanterns. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, so if we're doing it the next day, the fermentation process has not taken in, you know, what it needs to be doing to be fermenting. So the longer it's out, the better that it's uh, fermenting. And some people, um, you know, they're so used to having it. And I used to do this, but I haven't had the time as of late. But you make mm -hmm. like a big old thing and then you just leave it in your fridge, letting it do what it do. I like to let it sit out mm. for a minute and then put it in my fridge. You know, this reminds me of something. I was, I was, I think it was on Instagram. There was an Asian lady. I don't remember what specific country she came from, but she was saying how her, I don't remember if it's her great grandmother or her grandmother made Sprite for her. And I'm like, Sprite, how you make Sprite? Hmm. So she said what her grandmother or great grandmother did was took like a, um, like a glass container, picked off pine leaves, put sugar and water in it, closed it up and let it sit out on the windowsill for a week. Mm -hmm. And then like everything just started breaking down mm -hmm. and it became like, bubbly and fizzy mm -hmm. and I'm just like wondering like okay yeah look look at the bacteria getting to absolutely. work absolutely that's a way to ferment things um grow not up telling anyone that. to do that of course not telling anyone to do that but I haven't tried it but I just found that interesting I, they gonna say Kim told me to do this and now I'm <laughs> throwing up <laughs> but you know growing up my dad used to make this um onion base thing and he'll he'll put the onion it's it was like a cough syrup one of the cough many cough syrups that he made from home it was just like onions and he put sugar in on it and let it ferment as well oh. and then take that um the syrup that comes from that to give us the drink oh that's amazing yeah mm -hmm. that is amazing wow so definitely fermented foods can be made at home i even had a co-worker she was from india and she was telling me that she made her own yogurt and she just put it in her um, her oven and she was trying to encourage me to do it. And I'm like, baby, I don't think my gut health is, you know, my <laughs> stomach is not that strong yet. But she was like, yeah, I make it every single week and I eat it every single day. And I'm like, I, I trust and believe you. But um, yeah, that was just so interesting with the right. fermented foods. So seeing that, you know, there's so many different fermented foods on the market. I didn't even necessarily consider that barren wine could be one. What are the benefits that these fermented foods have besides like, you know, just going into the gut health 
matrix just a little bit more? Like what benefits does it have? Oh my goodness. There's so many benefits. So, you know, several studies out there there, that are associating fermented foods with things such as um, being anti-inflammatory, being an antioxidant, Mm. antifungal, reducing risks Mm. of heart disease, especially LDL cholesterol, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. diabetes. Um, But Mm -hmm. when it comes to fermented foods, you have to remember that, again, they have different strains. So the mm-hmm. different foods have different strains that may have different benefits. Mm. Not one is going to have the same strain of bacteria that is going to have the same health benefit as the next. As the others. Right, yeah, right. Because so the different bacteria do different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, the other day, just put myself on blast. Actually, two days ago, it was Friday. I bought apple cider vinegar tablet. Ooh. I there, there could be some benefits to that. The lot, I'm assuming it didn't take, taste acidic. I haven't had one. Doesn't it? It was um, you know that brand that's quite popular. What is that brand? You know, Joanne, they sell like the, the apple cider vinegar. The very Braggs. There we go. This is not sponsored by Braggs, but yeah. I saw at the store that they had apple cider vinegar tablets. Really? So, like, you know, a lot of people are seeing like the probiotics and the prebiotics sold in tablet form like over the counter and and, you know when I bought it that's what I was thinking I was like oh apple cider vinegar I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. course this is you know could be beneficial to my gut health but what would someone need to know if they were saying oh you know I'm going to pick up a probiotic tablet because there's tons there's ones that are on the fridge there's one that's that are off the fridge there's ones that have billions and there's one that, right. that have like 1 million versus 30 billion, so forth and so on. Like, what does right. the consumer need to know? So personally, and we're talking about adults here, not kids, because mm-hmm. kids be, are different in what we provide them in regards to the billions and what whatnot. But with adults, I feel like there's a certain amount that we need to get. And for me and my clients that I treat, 15 billion is the smallest amount that I will give okay. them. Because you have to take into consideration, like by the time that bottle gets to you, mm-hmm. um, th- that some of those bacterias, they've died. Yeah. Um, so that five, 15, that 15 billion you see is probably not gonna be 15 billion. And then how absorbable is that tap, the supplement that you're taking? Is it, mm. you know, how bioavailable are those right. bacterias for, for absorption? So you gotta take that into consideration. So the ones that are in the refrigerator are are more alive. They're more okay. Um, you know, they're not shelf stable, but they're they're usually they have a, a better, I wouldn't I don't want to say quality, but they they can work better depending okay. on what's going on as opposed to the shelf stable one, shelf stable ones, but there are shelf stable ones that are really good and really bioavailable. Mm. not everyone wants to have people some people travel and yeah, they want yeah. to have you know something that they don't have to worry about refrigeration um for and so there's some out there that are that are really good um that they can use so from 15 billion and above but when you get high to the high numbers like 50 and 100 billion Mm-hmm. Um, you really need to be speaking to some professional to let you know if that's something that you need to be taking for whatever is going on mm. with you. 
Um, and and I, I really know of a great brand that you can buy for probiotics. <laughs> you guys hit up Joanne. Hit up right. Joanne. So, um, and I haven't really announced this. So my husband and I, we've been in works for over a year now. And we mm -hmm. finally finalize our first line of supplements, which are geared towards um, gut health. So that's the first nice. thing. So I'm about to go out there and do it all if I can. I'm, I'm, I'm putting awesome. that out there already. So yeah, so Vive Nutrition is my my line of supplements and I have a probiotic on there. That spell is it, really spell available. it. V-E-E-V. -E okay. So V-E-E-V. Vive is the way we're spelling it is different, but it means life in mm -hmm. um, French Creole. So, or vivre, which is French. Oh, got you, got you, yeah. Right. So it's like life living. Yeah. So that's where we got that name from. So yeah, we have um, a probiotic on there and it's really, really good with absorption. Um, and that's, that's awesome. what I recommend for my clients. That is awesome. That is amazing. Congratulations with that. I know that has definitely been a labor of love. So you guys definitely hit up Joanne. Because to me, to tell the truth, there's a lot of different brands out there. And you always wonder to yourself, which brand can I trust? Right. Which brand is, you know, more fillers than it actually is the probiotic substance that is right. making a, the difference. I always right. think about that. And that's um, very important because a lot of people are intolerant to certain things. And mm -hmm. some of them have like soy components or corn or wheat components to them as fillers. And mm -hmm. I, you want something that has minimal amount of fillers. And mine does have minimal amount of fill fillers and it does not contain the allergens, um, oh, awesome. allergens in them, which is very helpful for people who are, um, you know, intolerant to things and you're, when right, you're right. health issues. You don't want to add more to your intolerances more to your mm -mm. Uh, digestive tract. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's amazing. That is amazing. I'm so, very happy that we talked about that supplements. Cause I mean, that's always a topic that I hear about a lot. Like, oh, you know, my diet may not be varied. You know, I may not be able to get in the yogurt or the miso, the sauerkraut, the kimchi, Right. but you know, what, what else can I take to make sure that I'm tending to my gut health? Of course, you know, diet is always number one, but sometimes life just happens. Yeah, life happens. And if you've done damage to your gut, um, you could be eating your best life right now. And it's yeah. not going to be as beneficial because the damage that was done, you now need supplements to right. supplement what your body can't do um, with the deficiencies that it now has. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Woohoo. One time for gut health for sure. So the next question that I I mean, I guess I'm asking for myself too, because I have been one of those individuals who have consumed the 100 billion um, probiotic supplement. And of course I was in the bathroom the whole entire time the next day, because it just like opened up the floodgates of everything. But how, when going back to foods, how much probiotic rich or how much fermented foods should someone really be consuming in a daily basis? Is so, it like I mean, a serving with every meal or every one time a day? I, I know we're we're a world where whenever somebody says something's good, then we go ham on it mm -hmm. and we just start overdoing it. And so I want to tell people out there, please don't be eating fermented foods for every single meal, like your whole meal. Don't want having bowls of kimchi mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. um, that you can, you know, get this 
idea of perfect health that you think is, is you know, there's not, there's not one thing that is the cure-all for everything. So mm-hmm. we have to always keep that in mind. So the recommendation right now from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics mm-hmm. is two to three servings a day. Okay. So two to three servings a day. So not your whole meal is the right. food, but two to three servings. But I think everyone needs to listen to their body. Um, right. If you're having discomfort after eating too much, because sometimes you can have too much, like yeah. cabbage is a cruciferous vegetable. And if you go and have too much cabbage, you may get some bloating. Yeah. Um, so you got to keep that in mind. So listen to your body on what works for you. So two servings may be too much for you. And you may have to go to one and then yeah. three servings may be good and you have nothing going on. And you're like, well, let me have a fourth and you still feel great. So you may right. be the one that can have more servings a day and not have any issues. And um, keep in mind also when it comes to the fermented foods, the type of fermented foods that you're, you're eating. So I would say if you're going to have, you know, two to three, four servings a day, try not to have the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that you're getting one the different um variety of bacteria out there that are in the different fermented foods right but especially for people with diabetes which are Kim's True. clientele you know mm-hmm. you gotta keep in mind that some of these fermented foods like kom- kombucha can be higher in sugar, sugar. and yeah. even the yogurts can have a lot of like added sugars to them True. so you know there's one aspect of it is that it has the probiotic, but then the other is like the other ingredients. You got to keep that in mind. So I think it's very individualized. That's true. That's true. I'm glad that you said that because I know some people that will go, you know, they'll be like a stickler and go just like ham on eating all of the fermented foods, Mm. but then not realizing, you know, there's that trade-off. What other uh, health conditions do you have underlying? That may be, you know, warranted like the diabetes that you mentioned. I know, like I always tell my clients like, hey, you know, maybe consider drinking a kombucha and here are the brands that have less added sugar. Right. In them. Even last night I went grocery shopping and I noticed like one of my favorite yogurts, which is a coconut based yogurt, has one that doesn't have any added sugar. And I was like, okay, you know, so definitely um, I think that is something worth worth mentioning for sure. So with the fermented foods, I know like, you know, we're only talking about fermented foods. We're throwing in probiotics, prebiotics, right. but can they cause food poisoning? Because I'm not going to lie. I've had kimchi in the fridge for a while now. And, you know, with the scent, it's kind of hard to see or smell like, okay, is it off? Is it supposed to be smelling like this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so how... Can they cause food poisoning? And how do you know? Like with yogurt, it's obvious. You can see the mold growing. Right. You see that. But like with other foods, can it cause food poisoning? I would always go with the expiration dates for things that you buy in the store. For things that you make yourself, you're going to have to really keep an eye and mm. learn um, what you see. But with, you know, any foods can cause food poisoning, poisoning if it's not handled properly, right? So mm-hmm. we, we have to keep that in mind. Um, it's a rare occurrence that fermented foods have caused food poisoning. But mm-hmm. I want everyone to note that when um, when you first start eating fermented foods, like this is you're you're new at it, um, mm-hmm. you can notice some temporary bloating that may occur. Yeah, bloating and gas should not last long. 
Um, and it's basically the gas that the good bacteria are producing. So oh, okay. that's, that's what's being produced. But if it persists for more than a few weeks, you need to just be like, okay, something's not right. You may have any food intolerance to the food that's fermented itself. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. So you may have some bloating that occur. That's not necessarily anything bad. That's just your body adjusting to it. But if it persists for more than a few weeks, then, you know, it may be problematic for you. So that's not food poisoning, but that's a problem that can occur. Some people also may have like headaches or migraines. And these are the people who have issues with the amines, um, like histamine or tyramine. And this happens when the amino acids that are being broken down and, you know, amino acids are what we build protein with, right guys? Yeah. So yeah. the amino acids, when it's being broken down by the gut, um, mm-hmm. so these amines are produced and some people have intolerances to that and they may notice they get headaches and migraines after they started. Fermenting. But really with fermented foods, um, they're not, you know, I, I don't think I've heard of anyone being poisoned unless it was something that was like a bad packaging that, you know, happens right. all the time. You know, we get recalls all the time. Um, right. I don't think it's something that people need to worry about just because it's bacteria that's in there. Hmm. Bacteria, that's what we're looking for is the bacteria to eat. That's interesting. That's interesting that you mentioned with the bloating and the headaches. Because, you know, you never really put two and two together, you know? Right. So like I have been having headaches for like the past maybe three weeks. And I was just thinking it's possibly because I was tired, but then, you know, looking back, I'm like, okay, what did I introduce into my diet that may have been new? So, you know, a lot of times people just think like, oh, you know, it's a symptom of something, but not Uh relating it back to, it could be your gut health, right? you know, telling you that something is up. So I'm very glad that you said that. Very glad. Because then next, you know, you just pop in Tylenol, hoping that this headache will go away right? or you're. You're taking Tums and that is not the root cause. Not the root cause. And we're just basically, sometimes the Tylenol will work and, or you think the Tylenol has worked because that food that you had, you stopped eating it, or it was something you went out and you ate that you were intolerant that led to the headache. And then the next time you eat it, it it happens again. Um, You know, people would be amazed at the symptoms that can occur from food intolerances that we usually don't associate with food intolerances because in our minds, when we think about gut health, we think about all the symptoms that mm-hmm. are associated with it being digestive only. And that's, right, not, right. that's not true at all. Learning something new today. I never knew mm-hmm. that. So let's talk about gut health for kids. Like is oh. ferment. I know you mentioned children earlier. You mentioned uh-huh. that they're on like a totally different spectrum compared to adults, uh-huh. but for fermented foods, are they okay for the littles? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, when I said they were different from adults, they're not on on a totally different spectrum in the sense of the foods that we're eating. We still want our kids to have fiber. We still want them to be hydrated. We still want them to have a variety of plant-based foods as their primary foods so that they're getting all the good antioxidants, nutrients, flavonols, and all that are within the foods that will help them have good gut health. We, We always want that. Um, probiotics are different when it comes to kids. You're not going to want to give your kid, you know, they're this yay high. I mean, you're not trying to give them a hundred billion probiotic supplement, you know, to treat anything. You don't want to do that. But in general, with, when it comes to fermented foods, I think 
it depends on what your kid tolerates because I know if my kids, I presented to them something that smells weird mm-hmm, or looks mm-hmm. weird, they're not eating it. So, mm-hmm. but they'll eat peaklies. Peaklies doesn't have a weird smell. So they'll eat that with, you know, fried plantains and have no issues. So I think you have to basically know your kid and try it out and see what can work for them. And don't try out like a large amount at once. Give them a small amount, have them taste it just Mm -hmm. to see, uh, you know, what they like. And of course, you know, there's yogurts out there, but I don't want to say the brands, Yeah, but the ones that are like in little tubes and we're Yep, yep, yep. That's not it. That's not the yogurt for the the the, that, the sugar sugary. Yeah, that's that is dessert. so sweet. Yeah, so that's sweet. a dessert. That's not a beneficial gut beneficial uh, yogurt. So, you know, you mentioned something. For instance, like you meant you said it twice. You mentioned the pickles and you mentioned fried plantains. Mm-hmm. So I want I want you to dispel some myths, right? Because I'm pretty sure that the keyboard warriors are going to say, well, <laughs> girl, they be coming. They be coming for you. They be coming for me too. I'm pretty sure they're going to say, well, you're frying foods. That's not advantageous to gut health. So let, let's talk about that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about, you know, a balanced gut promoting diet. Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. does that, that entail? So... You know, people, I feel like they, they see one thing and then uh-huh. they just go ham on it. Like, where do you see that we advertise eating fried foods every day? <laughs> no, no one is saying eat fried foods all the time. Just like I would not recommend somebody having brown rice or white rice, uh, sauteed kale and broiled chicken every right. meal. Right. Because Boring. that's. Although it's a nutritious meal, it's not a nutritious yeah. lifestyle. Right, right. Because mm, you're missing like a lot of other nutrients that you could be getting from different colors Ooh. of foods. So just in that aspect, I'm not telling people to go out there and fry their foods all the time. But for me and my culture, fried plantains are a staple. Yeah. Staple. And we don't eat it every day. We don't eat it um, every meal. And there's different ways we can make it. Um, Typically, you double fry it. You fry it the first time, flatten it up, dip it in some cold salted water, and then fry it again. I may not do that second frying step. I may Mm -hmm. stick it in my air fryer. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I may not deep fry it. I may just like surface fry it with like a little bit of oil just to get the outside crispy. There's different things that I can do. And I'm not eating a whole plate, even though I can. <laughs> I'm not eating a whole plate of plantains. So we have to keep that in mind. And there's a variety of things. And, and we've been, and I love that we've been talking about this. We've been talking about this the last few years as uh, minority dietitians of people mm-hmm. not eliminating your culture because it's not yeah. sustainable. It removes your identity. You don't feel like yourself. you're being like, you're, you're feeling like you're being forced into things. And we're not going to be out here telling people to stop eating the things that they're used to, but we can give them key pointers of how to do it differently if they choose to do that Oh yeah, um, or not to do it all the time. Um, you know, there's different things that we can do. So just, and, and then uh, the other thing is that, um, like I said this earlier, your gut is very individualized. So mm-hmm. eating fried plantains may have no effect on me, but then the next person it may have an effect yeah. on 
Um, it may be the oil that they're frying it in. They're intolerant to. Um, true. So there's so many different. Uh, there's so many different things. That's true. And I I want people to not focus on just like one thing and be and you know go create go ham on it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, I felt I had to bring that up because the key keyboard warriors, as I have uh, mm-hmm. come to call them recently, you know, they'll bring out stuff like that. And also, I think a huge misconception is as dietitians that we have to be a food police when in actuality right. we don't we don't want food to taste like old wicker furniture we want um, when you're eating your probiotics when you're eating these fermented foods when you're eating your prebiotics cuz that's what plantains are especially the green ones to definitely make sure that you're having them in a way that is enjoyable to you so that right. you are getting some kind of benefit because i mean if you're not eating it at all or if you hate eating it again as you said Joanne that's not sustainable Right. It's not going to promote gut health. It's not going to uh, decrease the risk of type two diabetes and heart related issues and all of the other health benefits that these fermented foods have. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I love that you, you said that because people don't often know that green plantains are resistant starches and mm-hmm. they're gut health beneficial. And when you go looking for stuff that's gut health beneficial, you're not going to see that, right? No. And people who are of the culture that consumes a lot of plantains may think that, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not doing anything right, but it's because we are not studied. We're not. (laughs) Are not really studied. So people are, you know, they got stuff to say, but it's not really studied. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. And, And it's sad because what is studied are a lot of these fad diets that are created by people that don't look like us. Mm. Um, what is studied a lot are these, even too recently, man, where there was an article on it. Um, I don't remember who, I don't remember if it was Harvard or if it was the CDC that came out and stated, hey, the Mediterranean diet is not the only health promoting diet there is. Right. Cause you know, a lot of studies have been done on the Mediterranean diet and also the DASH diet. But it was showing that different cultures have health promoting foods. So, you know, definitely keep keep your foods in your diet. It's a part of your identity, but learn what foods are a part of your culture that can maximize your gut health. Right. You know, it's it's not these and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's definitely not these. I'm sorry, looking out the window. It's not these potato chips that have been introduced by other cultures, you know. Right. It right. is our our foods, it's our breadfruit, our plantains, you know, our beans, our legumes, sauce-pois. Right. Our, our jury, our junjun. I mean, it, and, and I was part of the problem, so I ain't gonna lie. I was part of the problem because that's what we were taught coming out of school. So yeah, yeah. brown rice into uh, my household years ago when I graduated, <laughs> my husband was like, girl, this ain't <laughs> Right. We're doing this no more. We're not doing this no more. And I, I felt like I was a closeted white rice lover mm. because I didn't want to be out there telling people to eat white rice because that's not what we're told to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel you. I definitely feel. I I feel in school it's 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 a trend now to speak about traditional foods, but again, there's no research done on it. You know. Right. right. So especially with the fermented foods, you know, you mentioned pickles, which I know is, you know, Jamaicans have something too, 
that they chop up like bell peppers and they put like pimento seeds and they put like vinegar and they keep it closed in a bottle and like you put it on your fish when mm-hmm. you're baking it. And it's something similar. I mean, I could just drink that thing. I used to just, as a little girl, I used to take like little sips, but my parents used to have it in the fridge and I, okay, this is tasty. But just knowing stuff like that, to know that our foods, our cultures, it's not bad. The Mediterranean diet is not superior. It's not a superior diet compared to other diets. It's just really more heavily researched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in closing, you know, we spoke about making fermented foods at home. There's pros, there's cons. There's It's cost effective, but at the same time, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but what would you say is number one, your favorite cultural food or your most easily accessible cultural food, not cultural food, fermented food, fermented foods. So my favorite fermented foods is what you're asking, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's the peaklies. I knew it. It's, mm-hmm. it's peaklies, peaklies, peaklies and fried plantains. That's the ish right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I can have it all day. I don't typically do that, right. but I can have it all day. I mean, I've made, um, I don't know if you guys have seen my plantain lasagnas. No. I have that somewhere, some reel somewhere on Instagram. Interesting. So I've made that. I mean, so we're putting the resistant starches in there. Yeah. Adding, I mean, I've made it, it's completely plant-based. So I'll make um, some, the uh, apis. Yeah. So I've learned to use the apis and to season my vegetables like I would if I was putting meat in there so that it has that good flavor. And I'll use my plantains as they were lasagna noodles and I'll layer it up, put my, you know, filling and layer it up, filling. And I do add, I've done it with and without cheese. Interesting. So for someone who doesn't know what Epis is, let them know. Oh, so Epis is like our traditional Haitian marinade. It's made of a lot of different um, vegetables, uh, onions, garlic, bell peppers. I mean, we're putting that in there. It could be oil-based. It could be habanero peppers are always in there as well. It could be oil-based. It could be um, some people put vinegar and some people use um, like lemon or lime juice in there as well. I usually make mine's uh, be oil-based because I use it in basically everything that I'm making and some mm-hmm. food, I don't want it to have that lemon acidic taste to it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make mine's oil-based, but there's the ingredients. It's, it's awesome. It's so delicious. So nice. if you're like a bouillon cube person, like I don't use bouillon cubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's your, so the pickles is definitely your favorite fermented food, but like if you're on the run or if you're traveling, what would be your fermented food of choice? If I'm on the run, probably yogurt. Yogurt. I'll probably get some yogurt with the, that doesn't have like added sugars in there. Yeah. Um, that's not like, you know, like they be having like the bottom is fruit. Yeah. Um, it's usually like a syrupy fruit. So I probably wouldn't do that. And then I'll just get my own fruit at the store that I'm buying. And, the put yogurt it in there. and then put it in there for flavor. I'll do that. Nice. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, my favorite fermented beverage would be kimchi, excuse me, kimchi's on my mind. Kombucha. It's definitely kombucha. I'm the type of person where 
you know, if I'm in a rush, I need to go somewhere. I would prefer to drink rather than eat because it's just mm-hmm. easier in the car. It's cleaner. Absolutely. Um, so definitely for me, it is that kombucha. I did try to get those close to me on it. Like, you know, my nieces, um, my sister-in-law, but they're like, oh no, this tastes horrid. Um, but yeah. I love me some kombucha. That's, that's why I told you yogurt was mine because <laughs> as, although I told y'all yogurt, it doesn't have that much, um, you know, there's bacteria in it, but if something's going on, that's not what you, that's not, should not right. go to. I don't like the taste of all the other stuff. I really don't. Too sharp too strong yeah i don't yeah. i don't i may have to try some different brands just to see yeah but i got i got some recommendations too, so they're expensive yeah sometimes it's uh you can find some deals at at some of your local grocery stores Publix. you can definitely find right. some deals um right. but i always definitely to tell just everyone i always make sure to get the one in the glass bottles because you know they're coming out with all these other packaging and containers at this time. Of course, you know, endocrine disruptors, which is a whole different story, mm-hmm. whole different podcast episode. So make sure to just get the ones in the glass bottle. And if right. you want more specifics, reach out to Joanne, reach out to myself, and we can yes. lead you guys on the right path. Absolutely. So w- with that being said, your main takeaway. Main takeaway is that your gut health is the gateway to your health, but it's individualized. It's like your fingerprint. So don't go comparing yourself to other people and what they're doing. It may or may not work for you. And I don't want you selling, setting yourself up failure or for disappointment because what the, you know, uh, you know, Pookie and them did and you tried (laughs) to do it and it didn't work for you. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Fermented foods, you know, are trash. Right. I love it. I love it. It's individualized. It's like your fingerprint. It's your own personal identity. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We highly encourage you to share it with a friend. Why? Because your gut health is the gateway to your health. So until next time, see you guys later. Bye, everyone. Bye.